Well, it's uh, good to be uh, up here again to preach to you guys. I just want to ask that you guys bear with me today. Uh, I've had some sniffles, so my voice is kind of going, and I didn't want to apologize just up front. So I'm just going to try to keep this short, got a little cough drop going. But uh, we are starting a new series tonight. So the new series that we're starting is going to be called Pursuit. Now, for any of you who might have been here last year during this time, uh, we were actually in a series called Uncensored. So I can promise you this, I won't say sex nearly as many times as Daryl did last year when he was going through this series. Um, but yeah, so in fact, tonight we're actually not even mentioning like dating relationships at all. Uh, we will have a night where we talk about our relationship with the opposite gender, um, but that's not tonight. So you can rest assured that's not, not going to be a problem tonight. But I do want to talk to you guys about the purpose of this series. So the purpose of this series is to show us what biblical relationships look like. So relationships between all kinds of people, right? So like in your family, your relationship to maybe your coach, your relationship to authorities that are over you, your relationship to the opposite gender, and also our relationship to the world as Christians. So that's kind of what we're going to be going over through this series. What does the Bible have to say about how these relationships should, what, what, what should they look like, right? So we want you guys to pursue these uh, healthy relationships that reflect what the Bible teaches us. What does the word pursue even mean? So uh, I have there on your notes uh, listed this definition that we're going to try to uh, follow here through this series. But what does it mean to pursue something? So I have here, um, it means to follow and to try to catch or capture someone or something for usually a long distance. It says of, it's or time. I apologize on your notes there, but it's uh, uh, or time. So long distance or time. So let me break that down for you guys. Uh, that's follow, catch, capture, distance, time, if you're doing your notes. Let me break that down for you guys. So when we talk about pursuing a relationship with another human being, we are, in fact, uh, talking about something that's like we're, we're going to be in this for the long haul, right? So a relationship is not something that uh, hopefully, like maybe an acquaintance, you might meet them one time and it's over. But how do we pursue healthy relationships over a long distance of time, right? It's not something that happens overnight. We have to work at it. And relationships are messy and very easy to fracture. I think any of us who've been around humans long enough uh, realize that's, that's pretty much the case, right? Like, people are just mean, messy, and, and they, they like to have crazy relationships. If you aren't working to pursue a healthy relationship, it will pretty much follow the third law of uh, thermodynamics, which I'm not going to break that down for you, but in layman's terms, what that means is it's going to mess up. It's, gonna, it's going to dissolve into entropy or chaos, right? If you're not constantly working to keep things heading in a good direction, I can promise you it's going to get worse, right? And so that's kind of uh, what we're going to be talking about here tonight, specifically in relationship to our families and also to those who are authorities over us, okay? And, and obviously that kind of follows, right? So your families are an authority over us. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll kind of get into our uh, study here tonight. But let's go ahead and pray. So, Father, I just uh, thank you for another opportunity to come and speak. I even thank you, uh, God, that just uh, even during sickness, that, God, you'll just give me opportunities, that you'll get me through it. Uh, just like you said in this song, God, you're going to get us through. And so I just pray that uh, tonight these students will learn something about what it is you have to say about how they should interact with both their families as well as just any authority that's over them. So, God, I just uh, ask that you'll speak through me and uh, continue to teach these students something through your word. Name I pray. Amen. So, biblical family relationships. That's where we're going to start tonight. Your family, right? Family relationships. I'm going to focus mostly on the relationship between children and parents. 
So obviously there's more to it than that, right? You, some of you have siblings. Um, there are biblical like interactions between siblings we could look at, but generally this principle that we're going to be looking at tonight is just mostly about authority. So I'm going to focus in on that uh, pretty much just between you and your mom and dad. Since every single person in this room is the child of someone, whether you are an adult like me or still a snot-nosed brat like the rest of you guys, you have a mom and dad, right? Now, I understand not my, maybe not all of you might have both parents around, right? So maybe you, you know, somebody's out of the picture, but you are the product of a mom and a dad, right? Uh, that's just the simple like, facts of life. I, I can tell you Jonah has a mom and dad. I didn't have to meet them to know that. So... I do realize there's a lot of things I'm going to say tonight uh, that might not sound possible for some of you, right? You have a particular situation that's going on, and, and maybe you feel like that kind of negates what I'm trying to say tonight. But I'm kind of here to tell you guys, like, you know, personally, I have a great relationship with my parents. I still get along with them great. I'm 33. Like, it, it's definitely something that we're, we're working on, right? Because as you get older, you're going to continue to have a relationship with your family. But yeah, both my parents are very loving people. They raised me in the church. You know, I've, I've, I've had a great family. That might not be true for all of you guys. You might not have that at your home. But I want to tell you guys, the Bible does not specify any difference about how you ought to treat your family based on your situation. That could be like a deadbeat dad. Maybe your mom died of cancer. You have parents who are drug addicts. Maybe you were adopted. Your situation doesn't change how the Bible tells you to treat your parents. Okay? So I just want to, like, throw that out there. That's, that's what we're looking at tonight. And obviously, like, this comes from the Ten Commandments. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This is pretty much the main, main point about how we should treat our parents. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So yes, again, this is one of the Ten Commandments, Right? Most of you who've grown up in church, you've obviously heard that second part, which is that it's a promise, right, that's attached to this commandment. It doesn't say, do not murder, and if you don't, I'll grant you a million dollars. This is the only commandment that comes with a promise, right? Honor your father and mother, you'll have a long life. It's pretty cool. I think that's awesome. But what does it really mean to honor our parents? Like, how do we accomplish honor in our lives? I want to tell you guys that the biblical definition of honor here. To honor something, apologize, is to give it weight. You give it authority. It's respect. You prize it highly or you obey. That's honor, okay? So if you want to talk about how do you honor your parents, how do you honor your family, you're going to prize what they have to say highly. You're going to value what they have to say more than what you have to say. You're going to obey what they have to say. That is bringing honor to your family. Now, as a kid, this makes a lot of sense, right? You're a little kid, and you don't know right from wrong. And your parents are there to kind of guide you. We know that, of course, like a parent is needed to be placed above a toddler to keep them safe from doing stupid things like touching the stove, right? Don't do that, Johnny. Like, yeah, we all understand the need for a parent in that situation. But I also realize I'm talking to a room full of high schoolers. And I think many of you guys are kind of beyond that point, right? You kind of know not to touch the stove. Some of you. Jonah might still be trying. But, yeah, I think a lot of you come to a place in your life where you're like, I might know better than mom and dad. 
And I only know that because when I was in high school, I thought kind of the same thing. I'm sure Daryl was the same. You know, I, I think he probably, yeah, I've heard some stories. But yeah, like, I get it. You guys are at the stage where you think, I don't really need that authority in my life to guide me and to say no. Guys, can I let you in on a secret? Your parents are not dumb. I am 33, and I, yes, I live with my family. I had to move back home after I'd lost my job in Savannah. And they were very gracious enough to, like, open their home up, and I got a job here at the church. Their authority over my life has not ended. When I was living away, right, like, they would call. I don't, I don't get to choose to just, like, not answer the call. I, I still had to live under some authority. I had to give respect, weight, honor to my family when they call me. But some of you are at a spot where you no longer highly respect their wisdom in your life. You think that the days of living under your parents' authority is coming to an end. And in some ways, right, like when you go off to college, that, there's a change in that relationship. But guys, the authority does not end when you head off to college. It's not over. That's not to say it's going to look exactly the same, right? Every, every time we have like a new stage of life, things are going to change slightly. But we still need to bring honor to our families. The older I get, in fact, the, the more I feel the need to honor my parents. I start to understand a little bit more about the sacrifices they've made, the wisdom that they have. Does that mean I agree with everything that they say? Like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> I can tell you guys, like, before I even came here tonight, I had a pretty, like, hearty debate with my dad about biblical inerrancy and things like that, but that's not really the point. The point is, I can, I can see differently some things with my parents, but at the end of the day, I still have to honor my parents, even if I don't agree with every single thing they say. You don't have to see eye to eye with them, but you do need to honor them. When push comes to shove, we need to value what they have to say above our own desires. I'm going to share with you guys a, a verse here from the New Testament. So obviously that's the Old Testament. You know, we, we kind of sometimes neglect the Old Testament, but Paul utters the same thing in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6. If you look at verses 1 through 3, it sounds exactly like the Old Testament. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live, a, live long on the earth. If that sounds familiar, he's literally just quoting the Old Testament, right? Like this is Paul reaffirming what we've heard in the Old Testament. But this is not something that was just for the Jews, right? So when we bring this into the New Testament, we start to understand, like, this is not just for the chosen people, the Jewish race, that they need to honor their families. No, like Paul says, this is for all people, all time, for everyone. The interesting thing about being a child who doesn't honor your parents is that one day you might have some kids, and then you'll see the importance of children honoring their parents, right? Um, Hopefully none of you guys have kids at this point, I would hope, but it's not too far off in the future for some of you guys, right? How do you treat your parents? How do you want to be treated? Something to think about. Uh, so that's the first thing here is children need to honor their parents. But let's move on to uh, the next verse here in the chapter of Ephesians. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think a, real, a lot of us really like the idea that's presented in the first half of that verse, right? Like, fathers, don't anger your kids. And, like, I know I, like, when I read that verse, I, I'm, like, kind of cheering God on, like, yeah, God, like, get them. Like, I'm going to, like, 
make a magnet on my fridge and put that verse up there so my parents will know not to like make me mad. But like, if you notice the second part of the verse, like we, we kind of like ignore that part, which is that parents are meant to discipline us. They are meant to instruct us in the way of the Lord. And that's the part we really just don't enjoy. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, discipline, like it's, it's not a fun word. This is uh, the next note in your uh, notes here is, is discipline. So discipline is a word I usually associate with pain. Uh, so <laughs> some of my students this weekend made me go on a run. And it was horrible. I hated it. And I was in a lot of pain, right? Why is that? Because I don't often go for runs, right? I'm, I'm not disciplined enough to have built up some, like, endurance to, to make it through a run. So even a mile was difficult, right? But yeah, so discipline, right? It, it, we usually think about pain. But parents are not meant to make us happy. They are not meant to be our friends. What, what are they meant to do? They are meant to discipline us. They are meant to train us in the way of the Lord. They are meant to be playing the role of authority in your life. Where does authority come from? Well, it comes from God. God placed them in your life. They're, they're playing a part of authority in God's place. He's placed them there personally as an authority over you. Do they do their jobs perfectly? Probably not. I'm sure a lot of them try. And maybe some of them don't try at all. I, I can't, again, speak to your own personal family situation. I don't know what's going on at your house. But we do know that God established your household messed up as it may be. Again, they are meant to instruct us in the way of the Lord. In the end, though, it's not for us to decide when they are doing that job correctly or when they aren't. As children, the Bible tells us we are meant to obey. And parents were made to discipline. And again, you guys aren't too far off that. Remember that when you guys do have kids, you need to discipline your children. Otherwise, you're just going to be like little crazy kids, right? You need discipline. I want you guys to look at the ultimate example of this parent-child relationship, how this should look. And of course, I'm speaking about Jesus, right? So as the son, he obeyed the father. And I, I do want to understand, like, con convey here with you guys, like, I get it. Like, Jesus is perfect. God is perfect. He does everything perfectly, and he's not... He's not dealing with the same family situations you might be, right? Like, well, of course Jesus obeyed the Father. Like, the Father's not asking him to do crazy things. Well, is that really true? Father asked Jesus to go to the cross and die. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, begging God that if there's any other way that he might not have to go die on the cross, that it would be so. But even after praying this three times, God just says no, three times, right? And he said, okay, I submit. Your will be done. That's the parent-child relationship that scripture reflects for us. Jesus didn't want to do this, but he was told, and he did it. It could not have been an easy thing for him to do, but Jesus always perfectly obeys the Father. So in your notes here, we need to reflect the relationship between Jesus and the Father. I know that's not easy. I know it's really hard especially if your parents aren't believers. Like, I'll, I'll give that caveat to you guys. Like, I understand not everybody's parents are believers. We will get to that. But I do want to jump into authority here. We're going to move pretty quickly tonight. But we do need to obey our parents and reflect that relationship that Jesus had with the Father. 
So let's talk about biblical authority in general, right? So parents are an authority type, but what is, what is biblical authority? Again, the main source of authority in our lives is children and our parents, but as you get older, more and more authorities seem to kind of come up and come over you. So you enter school, and then you learn that teachers and administrators have some authority in your life, right? Some of you, unfortunately, have started driving, and you realize that police have some authority over you while you're out there on the road. Some of you might have a job now, and once you get a job, you're going to have a boss, unless you have your own company somehow, but you're still going to have some authority over you. And then you become an adult, and you have to start paying taxes to this Uncle Sam, right? He's an authority over you, and the government over you is an authority. There are all sorts of authorities out there, and tons of them are good, some of them are bad. What is a Christian to do with these authorities? So first, I just want to take a look at how these authorities came to be in place. How did they, how did they come to be established? Who decided who gets to be an authority over us? In one word, it's God. God placed them over you. So that's the first note in this section, is that authority follows a hierarchy, you can have fun trying to spell that, established by God. Authority follows a hierarchy established by God. Look at Romans 13. This is the very first verse of Romans chapter 13. It says, this is Paul writing, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. This verse very clearly states that God has established every single authority over you. Every single one. Your crazy math teacher, that was God. The cop who pulled you over for rolling a stop sign, that was God. Your president, that was God. Now, I might be stepping on some toes now, right? Like, oh, not my president, right? I've heard that. No, that was God. Just plain and simple. The Bible tells us, right? No one who holds a place of authority over you was not given that authority by God. He is the highest authority and appoints lesser authorities in a hierarchy, right, under himself. So, yes, he's at the top. But all the little positions that, that lead down to you at the very bottom, wherever it is you may be, he filled all those positions. He's the one who hands out those positions. The whole not my president business is not really a biblical concept. But why does God seem to appoint some rulers that we might not agree with, right? Like, I can hear many of you, like, shouting out, like, oh, well, like, Kim Jong-un, like, right? Like, in Korea, like, he's just a horrible guy. I don't really have an answer for that. I just be straight up. Like, I don't have an answer for why he chooses the people he chooses. I mean, I could try to explain, like, maybe he's trying to make you persevere in your faith, right? He's trying to strengthen us as believers. But, like, that's not, like, a really satisfying answer. And I don't even know that's true, right? Like, I don't, I don't know the answer. All I know is God's very clearly said, I put him there, right? Like, Hitler, God put him there. There's a reason. I can't tell you the reason. But God did establish that authority, so what does that tell us, right? Like, the Bible tells us that to resist authority is to resist God. So how do we make sense of this, right? So, like, you're telling me if I resist Hitler, I'm resisting God? We'll get into this, okay? So this is my next point, is that sometimes spheres of authority overlap. 
We have spheres of authority, right? And sometimes they overlap. So that's the next point in your notes here, is that our authorities that are over us do not always agree. That might even be the case in your own household, right? Mom and dad might be saying something different to you, both of them telling you, and like, how do you choose who to obey, right? Like, man, this is starting to get confusing. I don't, I don't get it. How do I honor both my father and my mother? They're saying different things. It gets complicated, right? I want to explain to you guys, none of us are perfect, right? Like, we are humanity, we are fallen. Parents ought to always do the best thing for their children, but sometimes they fail. Children ought to always obey their parents, but sometimes they fail. Authorities ought to perfectly administer the laws of the land, have just laws, but sometimes they fail. How do we choose which authority to follow? So, very going, like I said, very quickly, that's my next note here for you guys, is that when authorities conflict, go to the highest authority. What's the highest authority? So now you've seen a conflict between the two. Where do I go? How do I, how do I choose what to do now? Go a step up. So hopefully none of your parents are telling you guys to do something that's illegal, but that's the case sometimes, right? Like some parents have, have done that with their children. They've told them to do something illegal. You are right to go to a higher authority of the laws of the land and say no. That's not bringing dishonor on your family, right? Like that's, you're, you're, you're doing things that are right. Your boss at work tells you to do something that's morally wrong. You should say no. This is actually something that has happened to me in the fairly recent past. So I told you guys I lost my job in Savannah, but really like there was some morally questionable things going on at the company I was working at, and I just couldn't continue doing those things. Trying to lie to people during the pandemic about things was just not, not something I felt okay doing. I said no. I decided to resign, and I refused to do something that I find morally reprehensible. If you notice, the disciples, they were actually told in the New Testament to quit preaching the gospel by the authorities in, in the New Testament, right? So, like, people who were in charge are saying, like, hey, you can't go preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop it. Disciples didn't go, well, God put you in charge, so okay, right? Like, no, what did they say? said, I'd rather obey the laws of God than the laws of men. They saw a conflict with the laws, right, of what man had to say and what God had to say. And he said, when I see a conflict, I'm going to the highest authority, what God has to say. There's a certain discernment that we need to have when we are told to obey something that's wrong. We need to understand what the Bible has to say. Now, I'm not saying blindly follow everything anyone in authority says over you. I think I'm hopefully like driving this point home. You need to judge what the authority says in light of the word of God. This book explicitly forbids you to do something. You, no matter who tells you to do it, should not do it. If this book tells you specifically to do something and somebody tells you not to do that thing, very simple, you should do that thing regardless of who tells you to stop doing it, right? Like, it's a very clear concept here. So when some authorities conflict, what does the word of God have to say on the subject? That's, that's where you should go, the source. So it kind of brings me to my next point here about civil obedience and civil disobedience. The Bible very clearly establishes that we ought to obey our civil authorities, 
you read the rest of uh, Romans chapter 13, it's basically like a whole treatise uh, like on how it is that we as Christians interact with the government that God's placed in us, in our lives. Definitely encourage you guys to go there. It basically just gives us some good reasons for why we even ought to do that thing, right? Like, why should we obey these authorities? What does it do for us? And it tells us in, in Romans chapter 13 that the time is short. The day of the Lord is approaching. God's coming back soon. And if we, if we are disobeying, right, like, people are going to miss it. They're not going to care what you have to say about Jesus if you're out there, like, just breaking the laws all the time, right? Your, your, your testimony, your witness, the gospel, it gets watered down in your life and people stop listening to you. Time is short. And Jesus knows that things here aren't perfect. There is a time coming when he will right all the wrongs and establish his kingdom here on earth. He's going to rule with an iron scepter. But that day is not here yet. And as we see that day approaching, the Bible tells us to live obedient in a way that reflects who he is to a broken world. How did Jesus respond when he was wrongfully condemned to death? Did he curse, post on Twitter, calling for riots, overthrow the government, let's take out the Romans? No. He was obedient, right, to the point of death, even death on a cross is what the Bible tells us. Now, again, like, not saying that everything the authorities tell us to do, like, when it, when it conflicts with God's law, yes, I, I understand there's a civil disobedience, and that's kind of our next point here. But Jesus was obedient. We ought to do the same. So when is it okay to disobey? When the laws of men are against the laws of God. I don't want to dive too deep into this because there's tons of examples I could give to you guys, like tons of instances of governments demanding morally evil things from their citizens, right? Like you don't have to look too far across the world even now to find that. And all throughout history, but the easiest example, like I think like most of us can understand, is like World War II. You're a, you're a German who's living in Nazi Germany. And it is law that you need to turn in your Jewish neighbors, right? To, to turn them in and, and to make sure that they get sent to these concentration camps. Now, you read Romans 13, you don't have a really good understanding of this. And you might be like, well, the Bible says I need to obey. God placed Hitler in charge, so I've got to turn in my neighbors. Oh, well, I know they're going to die, but that's what I'm supposed to do. No, right? Like, obviously, we understand that helping them escape death in a concentration camp is the right thing to do. We ought to try to be smuggling these Jews away from these Germans who are trying to kill them. I also think, like, of Rosa Parks, right? Like, not giving up her seat on the bus. Or Southerners during the Civil War who helped escaped slaves get to freedom to the North. Even though the law said that if you find an escaped slave, you need to return it to their master. Like, is that, is that right? Is that what they ought to do? No. The Bible very clearly teaches that's not what they should do. And so, right, like, to disobey those laws that are morally wrong, that's a time that you can have some civil disobedience. What I'm not saying is that if you don't like a law that you can just break it whenever you want. You cannot break a law just because you don't like it. You don't like that the drinking age is 21. I know many of you think that that's just totally fine, right, to break that law. The Bible does not say that's okay, right? The Bible doesn't say, before you are 21, you must drink. Therefore, break the law that the land says about drinking before 21. No, like, the Bible doesn't say that, right? And yet many of you, 
break that anyways. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean that you get to break it. We don't pick and choose the laws that we follow. We follow the law of God first and foremost. And if a law made by authorities breaks the law of God, that is the only case in which we get to rightfully disobey our authorities. Last point tonight is that when we choose to rebel against this hierarchy that God's established, we're actually rebelling against God himself. If God established these authorities in our lives, we need to obey them as if God is the one who's in their place. It's not very easy to do, right? Like a Christian is constantly, uh, who, who might be constantly breaking the law is not going to be a very successful evangelist. You're constantly breaking the law. You're not going to be winning tons of souls to Jesus. If you're a menace to the kingdom of man, you're useless to the kingdom of God. Okay? And I want to warn you guys, like I think many of you guys might be right on the edge, right, of like flirting with that idea of being menaces to society. And I'm not saying like, you know, you're going out and doing all these crazy things, but you do flirt with breaking certain laws. And I think the drinking is a great example. I know several instances of that. But you're not just rejecting your parents' authority. You're not just rejecting the leaders in your life's authority. You're rejecting God's authority. Ultimately, what you're saying is you want to be the authority. You think that you know better, but at the end of the day, you're just a kid who doesn't really want to obey God. You wish you were God. And you don't really care what the Bible has to say about any of these topics. And I know several of you might be in that place. But I can promise you one thing. One day, the Bible tells us that you will be bow the knee before God and confess that he's Lord. So regardless of whether you want to recognize, recognize this fact right now or, or in the afterlife, one day you will recognize it. But I can promise you it's going to be a lot easier if you start to come to terms with this now. You could recognize that God is in control right now and live like it, or you can come to know that fact after you die and regret that you didn't know it before. So as the band comes up, I, uh, I do want everyone in this room to know God is in control. You may recognize that now and live according to that truth, or you can choose to continue living in rebellion against him. Some of you in this room might think that your parents are stupid, or maybe they just aren't believers, right? And Maybe you don't need to obey them. God says to honor them. Do you honor your parents? Confession time, I don't do this perfectly either, right? Like, I've lived in rebellion in my life. It's something that I'm currently working on. You could say it's something I'm pursuing, okay? (laughs) Sorry, I apologize. But you might disagree with me, right? You might disagree with your family, And there's a possibility that maybe you even do know something more than they do. But are you honoring them? You want to live a long life? You better get to it, right? Like, you want to live a long life? The Bible's pretty clear on how to accomplish that. Your teachers, your boss, your government officials, do you drag the name of Christ through the mud by claiming to be a Christian 
but continuing to rebel against that authority. That will not earn you any favors here on this side of eternity, and it definitely won't earn you any on the other side of eternity. We ought to be the world's best law-abiding citizens, guys, as Christians. That's, that's who we should be. A biblical relationship with those in authority looks like obedience. Let's remember the ultimate example of obedience, which is Jesus and how he obeyed his Father. So let's go ahead and pray to him now. Father, I just thank you so much that you're in control. And God, I don't understand it all. I look at this world and it's so messed up and I see that Ukraine's about to fall, that they say it could fall in three days, Kiev. And, and God, I just don't understand. But you tell us that you're in control. God, sometimes I fight against the authorities that you place in my life. I know if that's true for myself, that that's probably true for every single person in this room. So God, I just ask that you remind us again who you are, how sovereign you are in every single piece of our lives. That God, we aren't here by accident, that the, our parents aren't here by accident. That God, you place them here purposefully. And we might not understand those purposes, God, but you do. And you've told us to honor our families. You've told us to obey the laws of men. And ultimately, you've given us your word so that we can know exactly how to live our lives. So God, I just ask that we'll conform our lives to who you are and how you've perfectly obeyed. And God, I just ask that as we uh, leave this place, God, that these students will consider who you are in their lives. I ask all this in your name. Amen.